Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. He's wonderful, isn't he? Praise the Lord. You imagine what it'll be like when we gather there that day and there'll be thousands times thousands, probably millions of voices that'll be praising and worshiping and blessing his name. That's just the redeemed humans, much less all the angels that are there that'll be worshiping God. What a place it's going to be. I just wish we could go now. I ain't got nothing pressing this evening of you all. And just leave. Oh, granted, Lord. Happy day. Let's turn today to the book of Daniel, if you would. Chapter 10, verse 11. Maybe you can move that so I don't get tangled up in that cord. I might get happier until I'm going to run it. Can't never tell. Yeah. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. One man. One man. Turns hell upside down. One man causes a war of angelic, angelic participants. One man. And no wonder Jesus said, if one, or the word says, if one can chase a thousand, two to ten thousand, can you imagine what an assembly of believers can do? Amen. Amen. I believe it myself, don't you? But it gives him the reason why he was delayed in verse 3. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, and Michael is one who's like God, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So there was prince of Persia, and kings of Persia, and a prince of Grecia, and kings of Grecia. I'm going like to be remembered today as we pray. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity given to us again that we could assemble ourselves together today, Lord. We want you to know that we're appreciative for it. We don't accept it, Lord, and just say, well, you know, just another Sunday. We want to take every opportunity that we have, and we want to be so grateful in our hearts that we can meet together where the presence of God is where the supernatural God himself is among us, healing and doing tremendous things, saving, delivering people. We pray that you'd help us today, Lord. Take your word, Father. Open it up to us. Make our understanding fruitful, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus. And the saints said, Amen.
God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I also like to announce to you that I'd uh, been wanting in my heart, feeling to have a, a prayer line again here at the church. It's been a few years since we've had a had a long prayer line, and I'd mentioned it to Brother Darrell uh, that I'd like for him to be here with us, with uh, the minister brothers, whenever we do have it. And Brother Darrell will be performing a wedding on March the 21st, which is on Saturday. And they said he could be here Saturday night for the prayer line and then drive down to Brother David Siler's on Sunday morning. So I'd like for us to plan for that. I'd like for you all to be praying. And we've got a lot of sick folks among us and others maybe that might want to come in for that. Also, if you have prayer requests out on the Internet and you'd like for to send them in, maybe Brother Jim, we could start accumulating a list for that. And uh, we can lay our hands on those as we... Um, as we have that prayer line, also maybe wear several handkerchiefs and so on to cut them up for prayer cloths. I believe we're living in a wonderful time. Our Lord Jesus is doing such tremendous things. It's just remarkable. I'm glad to be identified, aren't you, with where we are. Again, let me emphasize to you as we break into this from the book of Daniel that we have a, a great king who is against us and against the, the plan of God and the program of God. And we know his name as Lucifer, as Satan, as the old serpent. He was kept, called several things, actually, when he was thrown down to the earth. But we, uh, as we look at him and the, the very goal that he has, his ambition to be worshipped like God, yet his being is so different than our, our loving Heavenly Father. Satan does not love his people. He does not care for them. He has no mercy, no forgiveness, no kindness, no gentleness. He is a liar, a thief. He is a word breaker. He is a proud, arrogant, stuffed up, evil spirit. Right? so full of himself and considers himself to be so great and so renowned. But yet, one day we will narrowly look upon him and consider him saying, is this the man who did all this trouble? But we know that he currently has his time, and he still has a little bit more time before uh, the Lord Jesus will take over. And here we break into something that the Scripture, the canon of Scripture in the Old Testament does not give us a clear view of until the book of Daniel. And we see that there are princes, kings, monarchs, principalities, archa, which are the first ones made in the order, which became archangels, um, different degrees by which angels were created, and when they fell, uh, those fallen angels never lost their position or rank or authority. And we see something that is quite difficult in one sense to comprehend because we have an angel of God that did not fall, and we have another angel which did fall, which outranked him in authority and power. And Daniel is praying, seeking God because of the time where they are, desiring to know what lays ahead for the people of God. As I mentioned to you a couple of times that in 538 B.C. that it was the time that 
under the Babylonian empire of what God had went and brought the people from their land because of their disobedience, moved on the heart of Nebuchadnezzar to do so. And now the time of that fulfillment is coming close to be almost over. God is moved by his power upon the rulers of Persia. And they have actually allowed a portion of the children of Israel to start moving out. And as we looked at it last night, one man by the name of Nehemiah with a sad countenance on his face. And the king asked about it and he tells him what it was. And Nehemiah is allowed to gather people. Of course, Ezra already gone some time before that. There's going to be several waves of the people that will move in. But all of it will, will all pertain to the grace that the kings ruling over them will give them. Because the people themselves don't have the money. The people themselves don't have the ability, nor do they have the legal authority to be able to move from the capital, to be able to move to Jerusalem just at will. Because they were designated by the law and they were regulated where they could go, where they could stay. So God must move supernaturally on the hearts of the kings, the rulers, the potentates, the magistrates and all of those to make it work. Well, God can see by his prophetic timeline that it's time for it to happen. Satan also is watching that same timeline. So Satan already has a demon that's been assigned to the kingdom of Persia. He was called the prince of Persia. And as Daniel begins to pray, the angel Gabriel is dispatched, come down from the presence of God to bring Daniel an understanding, also to further anoint the hearts of the kings, the princes of Persia. They will find that it is really becoming to them to let Israel go back to the land of Palestine. But whenever Satan realizes what God is doing, he actually then will arouse his own army and gather them together against the angels of God. Now, whenever Gabriel comes down and he meets this angel, which his residence, of course, is no longer to reside in heaven, but designated to be a political power over which the king of Persia would be able to operate. Now, I hope you understand that when we go to look at these four Gentile powers, that God was the one who said they would be, but it is not God that anoints them to kill, to mutilate, to destroy, uh, to do all these things, but it is demons that will actually move on them. And it was not the same demon that moved upon the Babylonian power that came and then moved from thou to the other to the other, but it was a different demon that was assigned to go from each one and the people of that kingdom actually become into the personage of the demon which was assigned to their kingdom this is what is so scary about demonology that people get under the influence of that demon and they actually will become transformed in the way they act, in the way they behave, in the, even the very language that they use. Their demeanor will change. Now, many of you maybe have never had to deal with devils and casting them out of people. And uh, you've seen it done, I'm sure. But whenever you look at it and you, you see these demons as people become possessed with them, and they will actually 
take over their voice and begin to talk like them and will take on actually a, a trait or personality characteristics which is the personification of this demon that is inside of their bodies. And it, it's frightening in one sense when you look at it. But in another way, when you look at it in the political realm, how that these demons become in charge of, of America and in charge of, of Germany and you know the different nations of the world. Well here, because this one was a very great power, Satan had delegated a mighty prince which was in the beginning created to be an angel of God, which worshiped the Lord God, was there countless of years, who knows exactly how long. But whenever he decided to leave the, the kingdom of Michael, he moves over into the kingdom of Lucifer. When he does, he decides to join his allegiance and his designated power and authority given to him by Almighty God. And he joins his allegiance with Lucifer. And he becomes now, we don't know what, what he'd done before this or prior to, to this. No doubt he was uh, a mighty prince under other dispensations. But we see him designated here in this lot of time to being called the prince of Persia. As the powers would change, no doubt their title would change with it. So in other words, whenever Persia fell, if he was then assigned to the, the tribes of the north, then maybe he would have been called the prince of the north. Maybe in this modern day, the hour that we're living in, this same demon right here might not be assigned to the, to the country of Rome. Or he might be assigned to the United States. Who knows where he is? But he is a, a, a demon spirit of great authority, great persuasion, and of great power insomuch that an angel of God had to have help in order to break through. I don't know, it's a said last night, I don't know how angels fight. I'm not familiar with the way that they go about doing it. But it must have been quite something to see. That an angel of God in his original estate, with his designated position and authority, he did not have the power to be able to overcome this demon. Now, remember that I believe there's a lesson in this for us. That as God had this written in the book of Daniel, that we as the people of God under the grace dispensation would be able to see whenever we are facing things ourselves. That sometimes we are allocated uh, trials and things that we go through and really God does not want us to reach out to others. You know what I'm saying when I say that. There's things that are designated to us that the scripture tells us that we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then it also tells us that let him that is afflicted, let him pray. So here then it shows that there's certain things that God gives to us that we're able in our own capacity to be able to deal with on our own. You know that's true. But then there's other things that we will face that it's beyond us. So God then moves on our hearts and we feel impressed by the Spirit of God to reach out to others. Brother, please help me pray. Sister, please help me pray. I'm going through this. I'm dealing with that. Would you help me to pray? And God wants us to do that. 
So here we find that this angel of God, whether it was him sending an angelic message back into the presence of God, or just the omnipotence of God knowing that he was not going to be able to break through, so he dispatches one of the chief princes, which is Michael. Now notice again in Daniel 10, 18, Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man. Now remember, these are angelic beings, but they are not as a wisp of wind by which you could put your hand through them. They were not uh, supernatural in so much that they were disembodied, but it had the appearance of a man. Remember, angels are never women, and women rather are feminist gender, but a man. More like the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me. So here this angel was able to send his power by a surge into the body of this prophet. And by this angel dispatched from the presence of God, he was able to come and bring encouragement and strength to Daniel. And in verse 19, and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. So now the angel touched him and he strengthened him. And then the angel with a supernatural voice says, Now Daniel, be strong. Be strong. And the angel's words had such power and authority that Daniel was able to receive strength in his being from the words of the angel. And I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak. Now notice the word Lord here in Hebrew. It's not capital L, capital O, capital R, or capital D. It is of the word, the family of words, which is Elohim which is angelic beings as well as the divine. So it is the small Lord. So it is a ruler. It is a principal one, one who has power and authority by designation of the divine. So he says, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. So now the message has been delivered to Daniel and strength, supernatural strength has come into Daniel and the angel lets him know now I'm going to go back and I must resume the fight that I left in order to bring you this message. So what for? Because God has further plans for the children of Israel, those which are now living in the capital city of the Persian Empire, but also those that are in the land of Israel. And they're facing political pressure. They're facing pressure from the unbelievers that are around them. And God still wants to influence the king of, of Persia. But God also knows that the dispensation is fixing to change and Alexander the Great is already in training. Now for those of you who know the history of Alexander the Great, which you know was the Greeks, under him at the age of 18 years old, Alexander the Great won his first battle. Every battle that Alexander Great fought, he was never, never, may I repeat it, never defeated. Not one battle did he ever lose. 
sat at one of the feet of one of the greatest minds, of course, of the modern time, Socrates and Plato. His, his battle strategies are to this very day still studied by the United States, by France, by Germany, by many different nations of the world. Because his strategies were so overwhelming in the way the man thought. Well, they might study the man's strategy, but what I see behind that was a demonic influence and a demonic force. And it was under the influence of those demons that they enlightened these men to be able to do what they did. When you look and you read at some of the great renowned men that have lived down through time, some of the great warriors, and you realize there had to be an insight or an influence from another realm that would help them. And whenever you look at these four kingdoms as they shifted down through time, as well as other dispensations as well, you realize somehow that prophetically it came time for the Babylonian power to run out. And then it was time for the Medo-Persians, you know, river meeting history that Philip, which was Alexander the Great's father, he was a great warrior, great man, Philip the Macedonian, and he, he conquered all kinds of things. He couldn't even hold a light to his son. And his son lived to be 30 years old and, and wept because there was no more place to be able to go and conquer. And yet died, they think now, from malaria from a mosquito bite. And yet we know that he conquered, he went into Egypt, he went into all these different places of the known world and conquered. How could a man 18 years old start in such an ability? Supernatural intervention. But it was not of the angels of light, but the angels of darkness. Now remember, they know how to fight. We know it now and understand looking at the, the Third Reich under Adolf Hitler, that it was under the influence of demons that these men began to fight. And they began to murder and want to carry out what they term the final solution. And they would have done it had not God in His grace sent the angel to hold back. They would have annihilated the entire Jew race right where did they get such a thing it was from demons now as he is under this influence Daniel receives the strength from God and the angel tells him now I'm going back to fight with this prince of Persia but he wants him to know that the dispensation is fixing to change shortly. He said, I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So there had already been a demon chosen that would be designated to the Greek empire. As it would move and anoint Alexander and his men, they would fight in ways that had never been done up to this present time. Strategies that the man used and the ways they would go about it. But friends, I hope you understand this. It was more than just natural ability. It was more than human ability. It was demonic influence. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is why some politicians outdo others. They surrender more to the devil. 
Well, if men on the light side are able to surrender more to God than other men are and have more success in their ministry, where do you figure that comes from? Because this man is better than that man? No, God gives him in such a way he's able to get himself out of the way and surrender and there'll be great tremendous things come to pass out of his life. It's just supernatural intervention from light and darkness at the same time. So there are certain men that Satan is able to do. Now what we're going to do this morning is catch the epitome of that as we look into the book of Ezekiel here shortly. But there always have been ones upon the earth, whether in light or darkness, that was able to seemingly surrender more of themselves. And the more they surrender, the more they bear the image of the king whose influence they are living under. We know that under this influence, great supernatural things can happen in both ways. And even though demons do not manifest themselves for the most part in the signs of, of miracles and signs and wonders. Yet we know in the last day it will happen that way. That there will be lying signs they will have ability to call fire down out of heaven. Because somehow the religious uh, cycle will still be on the face of the earth. But here it was not so much in the form of religion. But it was in the form of warfare. And it was in the form of politics. And no doubt these men become so exalted and they felt like they were so great. It was God who gave Nebuchadnezzar his position. It was God who aligned the Mezo-Persians and they came together and finally merged and dropped the name Mezo and they became the Persian Empire. It was them, it was God that allowed them to do what they done. It was Alexander the Great, sure, he was a studied man, he applied himself, that's all well and good, but God was the one who allowed him to do what he did. And then when he died, of course, his, his kingdom was divided amongst his generals. Uh, when we went to Egypt, they went to all these different places, but yet God was the one who controls it all. Now let me bring it on down. I believe it's the same way today. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I believe if the Democrats can get more money, they'll be able to out, outvote the Republicans. I don't care what you do. I believe there's still power in prayer. That's right. That's why we as the people of God should take this onto our heart instead of just, well, whatever it's going to be, let it be. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority. And this is the reason why. So you can get your political pick. Has nothing to do with your political party. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So forget your political party when election time comes around. God, you see who we need. Well, some of you don't like that, but it's the truth anyway. Now, the destiny of more than one nation has been changed by people praying and asking God to intervene for them. You believe that? Now, watch this in Daniel 10, 21. I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. What a profound way. This is angelic language now. I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. Now, most humans would say in the truth of scripture, but he quoted it the right way. In the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. 
Now here he's giving him a little bit of insight even how that the revelation of God and the truth of God is designated to certain angels. So Gabriel and Michael were assigned to be angels that pertain to the nation of Israel. Amen. So they also have an understanding about this portion of truth that was allocated for that day. So here Gabriel and Michael know that the time is close to where more of the children of Israel need to go back. They need to find favor to be able to rebuild the walls, the temple, and so on. But they need money. They need building supplies. So how in the world are they going to get it? Well, God sends down this angel to move on the hearts of these rich kings in order to send the money and the gold and the silver all that over there. God's going to make them pay for his own house. I love that. Praise the Lord. Now God always since the fall has sent angels to be able to intervene in politics when necessary. Man would destroy himself if God don't do this. This is God's own, own sovereignty and right of his own ability to intervene when necessary. Man would have already destroyed the earth had God not done that. Now watch this in Acts 12, 21. And upon a set day Herod arrayed in royal apparel and set upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. It's a wonder to me we ain't got a lot more politicians being worm bags. Now think of it, an angel of God. Now friend, whenever this happened, the entire political scene changed because of this one man's arrogance. Now notice, he, he, no doubt he was a great orator and a great ability. He was a builder, done all kinds of different things. But whenever he'd done this and he heard the people say it was the voice of a God and he never said, that's not true, that's not true, I'm just a man. If he would have done that, it would have spared his life. But when he allowed the people to lift him to a place and make him a God. Notice they didn't call him the Almighty. They simply called him a God. Not the God, a God. And whenever he in his heart aligned himself to what the people were saying about him, the angel of God smote him and his own worms speeded up the death process and ate him sitting right there on the throne. So what did God do? God allowed an angel to be able to intervene in the politics of that day and take a, a proud, arrogant man to an early grave. Now, let's look in Ezekiel chapter 28, if you will. We know that Satan was actually cast from the government of God in heaven, but he was still allowed access to heaven and to the throne of God even after the initial fall. In the tribulation period, Satan will be cast, of course, from heaven uh, as the bride goes up. Uh, he will come down when the bride goes up. He will be cast out of heaven, uh, not allowed to enter into heaven anymore because 
because I know the white throne judgment actually will not be in heaven but it will be on the earth and in the millennium he will be cast into the bottomless pit and held there until afterwards and then released for a little season notice in Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 1 in the time frame now this is uh, remember Ezekiel and Daniel were contemporaries and the king that is now on the throne that Ezekiel is going to address is a man by the name of Ethbaal he is Ethbaal the third his great his grandfather and then his father and then he's he's the next one so he is Ethbaal the third now this man is a very unique man in the sense that he's one of those men on the earth that somehow allowed the very motive and objective of Satan to become so personified in himself that God would allow his prophet to speak to this man and to the devil at the same time. And we know the spirit that was in this man was the devil, but unlike his father, unlike his grandfather, he submitted somehow more to the devil in so much that the very image and the personification of Satan could be reflected in this man. And by reading it, you think that God is actually talking to the man alone, but he's talking to the king in the king. Hope you understand here today, it's not my voice and your voice, it's the voice behind our voice. It's not our life, it's his life behind our life. So here, we, we can see mirror images occasionally of people in the Bible, and this is one of them as the same as it was in Isaiah 14. A different king, a different time frame, but the same thing happened. Notice this, Ezekiel 28.1. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up and thou hast said, I am a God. I sat in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. Now, whenever you look at this, you have to keep it straight because where Tyrus is located, it's actually the capital city sitting in an island. And he runs the parallel of speaking to the king himself, sitting on the natural throne. But he also speaks to the devil, which is inside this king. Now what was going to happen to this king and this kingdom is prophetically what's going to happen to the devil. But this man has become so surrendered to Satan that God can actually address him as if though he was the devil. If a man can do that, I wonder what children of God can do on the other side. Praise God. Now, notice it was Satan who said this, I am a God. But when you look at it historically, Esbael the third also said this about himself. I said in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. Now, this is their location where they were in the capital city. Yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Unlike his father, unlike his grandfather, they were wicked men, but nothing like him. Here it is, the succession as it was running up, one pope after another after another, under the same name. But this one receives a power which is it's, it's overwhelming, insomuch that God could speak to him and in this man will become the very epitome of the downfall of Satan and his kingdom. What's this? Behold thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. 
with thy wisdom and with thy understanding thou hast gotten the riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures by thy great wisdom by thy traffic that hast thou increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches now this is a parallel between Esbael and actually Lucifer himself so he was able to so surrender himself to Lucifer that Lucifer was living his own life out of this man Lord children Satan so living his own desire he wanted to be a God and this man says I'm a God I'm a God I'm not a man I'm a God you imagine that people thinking where did he get that at for many of you that know the study and the history of the Roman Empire you realize it began with Caligula and then it started with others that they began to pass edicts from the Roman Empire that they were God. Where'd it come from? Same devil. Same old devil. Same devil moves on preachers and wants to lift them up or they think they're a God or an angel. Now what the prophet said is read to you a couple of weeks ago. Now notice in verse 6, he said, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, therefore I will bring strange strangers upon thee. The terrible. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here comes Alexander. Listen what God said. I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. Notice the parallel now as we jump on down into verse 17, down through 23, something like that. And you'll see that there was a brightness about this man's kingdom that actually parallels Satan and his ambition. Lord, children, if a man can become so surrendered to the devil that the devil can leave his ambitions out of him, what about the church of the living God? Cannot the church of the living God be so surrendered to the Holy Ghost that Almighty God can live his ambitions out of us? But notice, there's no way your ambitions and him and his ambition can be predominant at the same time. Yours must be secondary. Yours must be laid aside in order that he might have the pre. I wonder what God could do among us by his power. If we could lay aside our, oh, I want, I think, I believe. If we could lay all that aside and say, Lord God, what do you want? What do you want in me, Lord? Let your desire, let your ambition, your motive, your objective, let it be the reason I live, Lord. Verse 8, they shall bring thee down to the pit. And remember what God told the devil through Isaiah? You'll be brought down to the sides of the pit. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hands of strangers. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. 
Now God's speaking to Satan and he's also speaking to Esbael. Notice this in verse 16. Now watch God as he becomes more personal now. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Now, Esbael was never in the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. We all ought to be up dancing right now. This is what's going to happen to your enemy. God said, I will destroy thee. Oh, covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, what did he do? He rebelled against God and he did not want that rebellion just to be on himself alone, but he also wanted it to be over on angels. Then whenever he was cast down to the earth, he wanted to make man a rebel and he did. And man is still that way today. Notice, and this come from a self-generation of his own arrogance and pride. Notice in verse 17, thine heart was lifted up. Look at the word lifted. Be exalted, to be haughty, be arrogant. Oh. It's amazing how we all identify worldliness as short dresses, rock and roll music, country music. Cigarettes, dope. The original worldliness had nothing to do with smoking or drinking. It was a haughty spirit. Watch how Paul catches this now in the New Testament. And the qualifications of a bishop. 1 Timothy 3.5 For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Now what a peculiar parallel that he would run about pride and arrogance and Satan. And run it with a qualification of a man being a pastor of a church. I wonder why he didn't say an evangelist. I wonder why he didn't say it. Well, he could have said that because certainly evangelists can have pride. But there must have been something about the office of a bishop, a pastor, which would tend to lean towards such heavy dosages of pride and arrogance. Oh my goodness, I see right now there ain't nobody going to say amen. You're going to quit nodding your head. You ain't going to smile. Why? I didn't know all y'all was bishops. Now here the qualification given then would be for a man which was going to be a bishop or the pastor of a church was that it would not be a novice or a man that was not just necessarily young in age but young in experience and could have been young in age as well. But it must be one who has been seasoned and one who's been well proven in his ministry. Not just thrown in first sermon he ever preaches, he's a pastor of a church. That's contrary to the word of God. Why? Because according to the Bible, that the man being lifted up with pride, he would fall into the condemnation of the devil or in condemnation with the devil. 
You see, whenever preachers enter into a spot, it's so hard, as the prophet said, for God to find a man that the more he can use him and the little he'll get and he'll stay small in his own eyes because he tends to go with that, that Satan will exalt a man and he'll begin to think, oh my, I'm so exclusive. I preach so different and my understanding is so much greater than this man and that man. Oh, you say preachers fight that? Don't you remember this is why Paul received this uh, this confirmation from the Lord when he sought him three times Lord take this thing from me this eye situation God please heal me deliver me and God said no I ain't gonna do it Paul my grace is sufficient then the prophet picks it up and said Paul because of his gift he was so gifted his experiences were so great and he was able to experience the Lord Jesus actually raised from the dead and he said the Lord allowed that to buffet Paul lest Paul would get exalted above measure. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me now. I know we don't want to say it, but Paul still had a black dog. It was the dog of Romans 7. That's right. And Paul said, there was a given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Notice what the thorn was. It wasn't a thorn in the soul. The soul didn't need a thorn. It had the Holy Ghost. But the flesh didn't have the Holy Ghost. So because it didn't have the Holy Ghost, it got a thorn. Every preacher's got at least one. Sometimes you wind up with many more than that. But everybody has one. And according to the revelation of what God gives a man, God will do that in order to keep the balance of the man's wall where it needs to be. I hope you hear me this morning. So God allows this thing to come and hit Paul and then he'd get better. And the prophet said it was blow after blow after blow and it would buffet him and he'd get better and then he'd get, he'd get worse again and then he'd get better. And it, you say, God, what in the world is the matter me Lord please him he said nope I ain't gonna do it Paul you need this now I hope you understand friends that Paul there's never a man quite like that man a man filled with the Holy Ghost walked with God but Paul's flesh was not born again and Paul had the tendency there was a tendency apparently in his makeup to get puffed up God knows how to take care of puffed up So what does he do? He uses a sharp thorn. Sharp thorns are murder to puffed up balloons. I mean, they are a havoc to puffed up attitudes. Well, hallelujah. Well, I wonder if some of us today, not only preachers, if we think, well, why do I go through this and why do I go through that? How come I'm this, that, and other? I wonder if it ain't to kind of help you stay where you need to be kept. Brother Bram said it this way, you know, he's talking about Paul with his eyes and he said, if some men, you know, don't have those things, he said, God does that, he said, to let us know who's boss. He said, because if some men went on and, you know, God, they never went through nothing in life, never affected them, nothing in no way, they'd become lifted up and he said, they'd get self-righteous. Because they said, well, God, God heals all my sicknesses, God hears all my prayer, I never go through nothing. He said, they'd become self-righteous. But he said he lets you go through things just to convince you and show you he's the boss. Now remember, this was Satan's problem. He had boss problems. He wanted to exalt himself above and be higher than his boss. And well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. There's enough devil left in all of our flesh. Woo! Preach, Brother Donnie. There's enough devil. 
us that if we're not careful, we'll try to exalt ourselves above our boss. But when you start up, God goes, Shoo. You watch, you've, you've seen that, right? With balloons, whenever they're all blown up, and then you poke all that. That's the way some of y'all are. You get all puffy and all haughty and all that sort of thing. And God lets a trial come your way. And here we go. And what happens to that little balloon? All the air is gone and it lands back down on the ground. And it wasn't near as big as what it looked like. But me, myself, I would rather be plumb full of holes and be saved then be holeless and be lost. Whatever you got to do, God, that's my desire. Anybody else in here with me? All the rest of you rather be puffed up. <laughs> Notice again in Ezekiel 28, 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Now here, of course, I'm not talking about by all, but about Satan, which was the original archangel of God with splendor and with all types of emanating glory from his person. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom, which is internal, by the brilliance, the glory, the splendor of thy brightness, which is external. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. So his outward luster, it must have been a dazzling appearance that he had. Now we know that angels can still, angels of darkness can appear that way. I personally have never seen a demon that appeared this way. All the demons that I've seen were clothed in dark. They were all clothed in robes and, and eyes like fire, but yet clothed in dark. So I've never seen one quite like this before, but yet I know of people who have. So they can appear this way. And Satan still has that ability to transform himself as if though he is an angel of light because he's the king of impersonation. But God said, I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings and you will prostrate yourself for them. Notice this, the prophet said, do you know what caused the first battle in heaven? Was when Lucifer set up a greater class of people. Y'all know what class is, don't you? And that uppity up type of thing. It's a man that ain't got enough guts to kill a rabbit, but can eat a whole belly full when somebody else kills it. Class. Well, a lot of the message folks are becoming real classy. So they want to look down their nose on the poor folks or the folks that ain't got a nice place to worship God. I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather have the presence of God and have them meeting under a tent than I would, uh, you know, a great big cathedral and all kinds of stuff. And we sit there and look at one another as cold and starchy as all get out. He thought big, a bigger kingdom, more brighter, shinier kingdom than Michael had. 
He was kicked out of heaven. You see where class comes from. Stay away from class. Now you kids that's going to school, he ain't talking about that. I figured I better correct that. Some of you homeschool moms. Mama, Brother Donnie said yesterday, stay away from class. I love the way he says this. The hungry don't want class. The hungry wants food. Hallelujah. And his beauty reflects in his kingdom. Notice again in Christ the mystery. Lucifer at the beginning, his purpose and heart was to achieve a brighter and greater greater thing in heaven than Christ had. Is that right? By seemingly a more cultured more beautiful, more splendor than the kingdom of Christ. Again, wisdom versus faith. Satan is beautiful. Sin is beautiful. And as sin begins to get more and more beautiful, how many knows that Satan is of the beauty and he desired beauty and tried to create more beautiful kingdom and so forth. Satan is in beauty. Now this is why he is the worship God of this age. Because the people of this age want worldly beauty. Uh Uh-huh. She can wear her shorts, wear paints, and still belong to his religious group. Which is absolutely contrary to the word of God. He says it's all right. Of course he does. See his knowledge? What's got to do with the woman? What's that got to do with the woman? Just the same as taking the forbidden fruit or not the forbidden fruit. That's what it is. God said not to do it, but he does it. And she believes him. And she loves him for it. She hates God. Oh my. Her own action proves she does. She says she loves him. But she loves Satan. She worships the God of fashion. The God of the world. The Hollywood goddesses. She loves him. But she hates the true word of God. Which is the only true God there is. But you see what this modern age does? They separate Christ from his word. Oh, they love the Christ, the bleeding Savior on the cross. Christ the Savior. Who will let them do whatever they want to do. But their problem is with his word. That's when they have their problems. Oh, they won't get mad and get up and walk out on you preaching about Calvary. They won't get mad about you preaching about the cross and the blood of Jesus. But when you go to unveiling Christ, the word, that's when they have their problem. Why? Because they're separating him from his word. I don't want him separate from his word. I want the blood, but I know the only way I'll get the blood is by hearing the word. Oh, my. Notice this, see, he is the God of the worldly beauty. He is, she wants to look beautiful. He is the God of beauty from the beginning. And he can, as an achieved by his knowledge and science and material, to make beauty for this model age. This modern age, rather, of evil. It's made beauty. Now remember, we're talking about worldly beauty. We're not talking about looking at a beautiful lake or a beautiful mountain. God made that. But we're talking about worldly beauty. Notice again in Isaiah 28, 18, thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries. Oh, so Satan has sanctuaries, does he? Look at this Hebrew word, mikdosh. 
sacred place, sanctuary, or holy place. By the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth and the sight of all of them that behold thee. Don't you understand? This is what God allows man to do when man turns down his word. God allows his passion, his fire of lust and fire of ungodly things, the very fire within him that burns for evil and wrong, God will allow him to annihilate himself. You might as well say amen. How many of your family members and mine have done exactly the same thing? They turned down God and they turned down God and they turned on God. What does God finally do? Go ahead and do what you want to do then. And from within their own self, they drink their self to death. They smoke dope. They do this and that and the other. They destroy their family. They destroy their morals. They destroy everything from where? From within their self. Because they turned God down. You ought to be grateful today God helped you. Satan's boast was, I'll be like God. Isn't it amazing? He tells this king of Tyre, you can be a God. Ah, what did he tell Eve? What is he telling our age through professors in college? You're a God yourself. You don't need gods. You don't need religion. You don't need none of that stuff. Same old stuff. Well, praise the Lord. Now remember the epitome of Satan's destruction is going to be lived out by prophecy in this king of Tyre. Let me read you this history. Alexander, when he took Tyre, ordered all the inhabitants to be slain, excepting those that fled to the temples and the houses to be set on fire, which literally fulfilled this prophecy. Spiritually, it will be Satan. Also, the antitype in the book of Revelation will wind up being Rome, which will be destroyed by atomic fire. Verse 19, all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee, and thou shalt be a terror. Never shalt thou be anymore. This is what happened exactly to Esbael. The same thing prophetically will happen to Satan in the beginning. Why? He's so full of pomp, arrogance, and pride. Oh, Lord, children, you ought to be so happy. That you can sit down at a restaurant somewhere where there's Cracker Barrel or wherever it is. And you can bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this food. I'm a people watcher, so I watch people whenever I'm out. And you'll watch some of these uh, <clears throat> Christians, you know. You know <clears throat> they're like they're getting a drink. It's amazing how many different things I've seen people do when they're, you know, they're going to pray over their food. It's just amazing. And they're so ashamed. So ashamed. Don't be ashamed because you come here. Don't be ashamed because you're identified of following the message of the hour. Don't be ashamed and hang your head when people laugh at you, sisters, because you wear a dress and you don't put on a man's britches. 
Don't be ashamed because you don't paint your lips and then wear the stuff of the world. That stuff will take you straight to hell. You'll be glad one of these days. Let's read in Revelation 12, 7. Let me have just a couple more minutes and we'll, we'll stop here. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Satan still has access to God's heaven to accuse the brethren. But right now, from this time here in Revelation 12, 7, he'll be cast out and never allowed to come back up again. Notice the identity that John calls him. He calls him a dragon. Of course, dragons and serpents are symbols that represent evil. He's also identified later in this chapter as being red, which is bloody, again, and wicked. And verse 8, and prevail not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Oh, glory to God. So now the accuser of the saints is going to be cast out. I hope you understand the time frame of where this is. While the bride is being shaped into the image of the living God and fighting through hell every day of her existence in this life. The last thing before your rapture, your body change, will be another battle. Except the battle before the rapture will not just be your battle, but it'll be a battle when the Michael and his angels is casting the accuser out before the rapture. Why? You and him both can't be there because he's going to say, they're this, they're this, they're that, they're that. And he said, how can that be? They're standing there in glorified bodies. <laughs> Glory be to God. Notice in verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent. The word Ophus. With the ancients, the serpent was an emblem of cunning and wisdom. The serpent who deceived Eve was regarded by the Jews. And may I say not only as by the Jews. As the devil. This verse gives him more titles and names than any other verse in the Bible. The great dragon, that old serpent called the devil, Diablos. False accuser, slanderer, prone to slander. And I got reading the meaning of this word. It kind of reminded me of some people I know. Now look, friends, when people are under this influence, you're going to tell me you're full of the Holy Ghost? And you are a slanderer? You're living under the nature of Diablos. Oh, my. Satan, the prince of demons, the author of evil, persecuting good men, estranging mankind from God and enticing them to sin, afflicting them with diseases by means of demons who take possessions of their bodies at his bidding. 
diablos. Don't you understand why battle was necessary? <laughs> he still wanted his access before the throne of God. Michael said, out. I'm fixing to bring my wife in. I don't want you to know her around. Out. He said, I don't want to leave. He said, I said, out. He said, I ain't leaving. He said, all right. Come on, guys. Let's whoop them. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to God. Can you imagine the battle is raging on the earth? The battle against pornography, the battle against sin, the battle against lying. And there's another reciprocating battle that's going to go on up there in heaven before we go up. And Jesus said, All right, Satan, out of here, out of my house. You ain't accusing no more of my brothers. I'm going down to get them. I'm bringing them up. I'm changing their body. We're fixing to sit down to marriage supper of the Lamb and you ain't welcome. So get out. <laughs> and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satanus adversary one who possesses another in purpose or act the prince of evil spirits he incites apostasy from God and to sin circumventing men by his wiles by his demons he's able to take possession of men and inflict them with diseases by God's assistance he is overcome I'm sure glad they put that last part in the meaning of that. <laughs> Let me just describe him again. How would you like to be called this? Dragon, serpent, diablos, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. A great voice, a loud voice strikes up and said, All right, everybody, let's go to worshiping God. Because the accuser of the brethren is cast down. All of you all know what this means. The bride's fixing to come up in the rapture. Hallelujah. Because he can no longer accuse her. He said she's this and she's that. Because he still has a claim on her body. But now she's going to walk through them gates right there and glorified bodies. Hallelujah to God. Every one of them is going to be about 18 years old. They'll never die. They'll never age. They'll never get sick. She is a living testimony that he is a liar. So kick the liar out. Get rid of the accuser. Hallelujah. 
rapture is truly going to be wonderful on the earth. Look at what you're causing in heaven when you go up. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down. All this going on because the accuser of the brethren is left. Praise God. The final phase of your redemption has finally moved. The angels are rejoicing. They're praising God. They're singing songs because you finally got your new body. And the accuser of your body can't accuse you no more. I mean, you Christians to be honest today and say your body is still your worst enemy. Y'all think thoughts that shouldn't be up here? Say things. Oh, well, we've got a few angels with us this morning, mainly mortals, but a few angels. That's what he can accuse. You imagine before the throne of God day and night accusing you. And apparently he has some truth. Oh, Lord, you seen he got so aggravated. Lord, he said he wasn't going back to church again. He got so mad and aggravated. Lord, you know, he done this, he done that, and he done that. He said this, he thought that. He used to low down and then just, uh, it just so discouraged. He said, I ain't going back no more. I don't know how I even serve God. But God dispatched an angel and sent down and touched him. All of a sudden, you said, oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I believe I'm going to get ready and go to church. And the devil said, what in the world happened to him? He was so low, she was on the bottom. What in the world? <laughs> God dispatched an angel with strength. And now you were just sitting there all down and all out. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> glory to God, I'm going to church. Hallelujah, I can't wait to get to the house of God. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to worship. And the devil said, what in the world? Y'all ever been there and done that? Your prophet said your glorified body standing right here near you this morning. Wanting to send a charge so you like a battery. Oh, sometimes I get all run down. God says, go charge Terry. He's kind of a little bit down a little bit. So here comes the Holy Ghost and charges at me. I don't know about you. I need that supernatural strength. I'm not strong enough on my own. I need it. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We can see why Satan is the opposite of kenosis. The more I look at him, the more I realize he's pitiful. He's a pitiful being. What he forfeited, what he got back in his place. I'm not sure fallen angels can have regrets. If they wish they would have never made their move, I don't know how that works. I do know there's no redemption for fallen angels. But I'm sure glad there's redemption 
for fallen man. Lord Jesus, forgive us for complaining. Forgive us for our failures, our shortcomings, Lord. We desire to walk with you, Lord. Surrender everything we are to you. If Satan was able to take men like this that we've looked at in the Bible, and he could so live himself out of them. And their kingdom would become Satan's kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we just pray, as we looked at it last night, that you delivered us from darkness. And the word was, you dragged us out. Praise God. And then you translated us into the kingdom of your dear son. And the word translated was, take a race and place them in a new home. You delivered us and translated us into the kingdom of God. But the miracle about it is we're a new creation in the same old temple. Here we are today, Father, no doubt with aches and pains and sicknesses and different things in our bodies. A person could be standing here today with the Holy Ghost in their soul and a demon of cancer in their body. But the veil separates the soul from the body. Well, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. We've not yet moved into that phase to where the joy, the joy is going on in heaven. But we believe every day we're getting closer to it. We don't want to miss it, Lord. Help us, I pray. I lift my hand before you, Father. And I ask that you be mindful of me, Lord Jesus. Others here, Lord, if they have their hand raised, May you help them. Lord, when we get down and discouraged and weary, may you send an angel our way. May you send the presence of the Holy Spirit that would be able to encourage us and send a, a surge to us, Lord, a charge that will help us to continue on in our journey until one day our mortality will receive the final charge and it'll be over the top and it'll change us into an immortal being. We love you, Father. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Don't you love him, children, with all your heart? Don't you appreciate his grace and mercy? Let's sing something together, hey? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you listen to the news, you check your apps on your watch or your phone and all that, better where you look, it's bad stuff anymore. But the gospel... It's good news. I'm here to tell you, your greatest part of your life lays before you. Amen. Very, very soon, we're going to see the king, and he's going to change us and give us a body back into his very own. Can we just worship just a little bit before we go? <clears throat> the more that I surrender. Lighter, my Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. The more that I release, I release myself, my Lord, care, the more I can get out of the way. You can help
for prayer today for brother daniel how we love and appreciate brother daniel amen amen hallelujah sister linda sent me an email a week or so ago and all the different things that he's dealing with in his body we believe our god's bigger than every one of them can we just join our faith together today on behalf of our brother lord jesus We lay our hands on Brother Daniel today, Lord. Dear God, you see these needs. Lord, you see the situation with his trach. And Lord, he's coughing. And Lord, just so many different things that he's dealing with, Father. But Lord God, we believe you're still a healer, Lord. We lay our hands on our brother in obedience to your word, Father. And we call the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, Satan may try to put things on us, but the army of God takes them off. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our brother today, Lord, as a body. We agree in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'd bring healing to our brother. You suffered strife so he could be healed. We accept your promise, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, that I surrender the life, my Lord. Oh, that I release my
Before we do, I received an update this morning from Brother, uh, Brother Andrew about Brother Ron and uh, having a little problem with the fluctuating of the blood pressure. 
and that's going to take him down to do an MRI to make sure that there was not a hemorrhage in his brain. So we'd like to remember him today as we dismiss in prayer. Anybody else got something you need from the Lord? God bless you, children. Let's pray for our sister here before we pray. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You think God ain't a wonderful God? She said she'd been having problems with her hand, raising her hand. Just then, as we spoke it, just then, if you need healing, you can raise your hand right now. She finally got her hand up and it left. Sister in Ohio, just a little while ago, up at Brother Ray Erickson's church, suffered with a stroke. They prayed for her, told her to believe the word. Brother Wayne Lawson prayed for her, told her to believe the word. So here he sees her come up again one night, her hand, you know, kind of twisted around like this. He said he thought, I really don't want to have to pray for her again about the same thing. But she came up to him and said, I want a microphone. I want to testify. He had the microphone. When she reached to get it, God healed her ever symptomly. Hallelujah! We serve a mighty God, children! That makes me want to preach again. <laughs> Only taste it. Hallelujah! I love bragging on him. I love testifying of him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're expressing yourself in such wonderful ways among your people. Lord, I hear it from around the world. God, there's a move on among the bride. Thank you. Thank you. Help us, Jesus. We just want to be a part of it. You see our needs today. Thank you for touching our sister, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Father, you see the situation of Brother Ron and his blood pressure. We ask in the name of Jesus, you'd go to our brother. Father, whatever it is, if it's a hemorrhage, you're able to stop it. Lord, he's still been suffering pain. We know pain can fluctuate the blood pressure. Whatever it is, Father, in the name of Jesus. Bring healing to our brother today. Not only him, but Lord, there was hands raised all over the building with needs. In the name of Jesus, may the God of Abraham drop that faith down in their hearts right now, Lord. May they be able to reach out to you, Lord, and touch you, your garment, Lord. Heal them, Father, and make them well. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you, saints. Well, we'll be having another dose of it on Wednesday night. Amen. If you're free and welcome, welcome to come. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God bless you. Go in the fear of God. Sing it again, Harry. I claim the blood. God bless you during the week. Keep you by His grace. I claim the blood.
Jesus shed on Calvary Those precious bloodstains Were made there just for me sickness and my pain when I need healing I claim those precious blood stains I have a source of strength when I 